Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We are about three weeks into our series entitled Refill. How many of you guys have been enjoying it? Getting something out of it? A few of you, all right. Well, hopefully, for those that haven't yet, you'll get some out of it today. Uh, we, we so far have talked about uh, a couple of ways in which God has designed us as Christians, as Christ followers, to be refilled. Now, here's what we need to understand. It's not just for Christians and Christ followers. God created us all. And so whether, whether we're talking to Christians here today or whether it's friends we talk to outside at our jobs and things like that, God has all designed us the same way. But we as Christians need to understand how it is that we get filled so we can then communicate that to the rest of the world. And one of the ways that God fills us, we talked about in week one, is by being plugged into church. And we talked about how being plugged into a local church actually helps fill us. That church is not the source that fills us, but rather the resource in which God chooses to use to allow his source to flow through in order to fill us. Last week we talked about uh, being refilled by the word. And if you missed any of these messages, once again, you can catch them online. But we talked about how God's word fills us. It's his word that we've hidden in our heart that we might not sin against God. How many of you guys don't want to sin? A handful of you. How many of you guys love sinning? Okay, and if you do, just, okay. If we don't want to sin, one of the ways we do that is by filling ourselves with the word. It's his word that we meditate, we memorize, we put in our heart that we won't sin against him. Job said this in Job 12, 24, that, that I esteem your word more than my necessary food. Matthew 4, 4 says that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. We are filled by the very word of God. And we talked last week about how one word that fills us changes everything. Today I want to talk to you uh, about uh, prayer, that prayer refills us. And I want you to know something, that here at Canvas Church, we really do give ourselves to prayer. Uh, probably not as much as we should, and probably not as much as we would like to, but we do have a staff that prays, and we pray for you. When you fill out those prayer requests, uh, those don't just go in a bucket and then get tossed somewhere. We actually, every Tuesday, look at those, and uh, Melissa Miller is actually in the process of raising up a whole team that goes beyond Tuesday, and that's going to be praying for you throughout the week. But we pray for those, because we, we believe in the power of prayer. And uh, so we believe in what God is doing here. And uh, several of the things that God is doing here that I want to encourage you to get plugged into, and you heard it on the screens because there's a great place to get prayed for, is this thing called community groups. Can I just tell if you are a part of a community group here at Canvas Church, can I just see your hand right now? Come on. Awesome. Come on, somebody. You're a part. Go ahead. Give yourselves a hand. That's all right. No, you don't want to give yourselves a hand. Okay. The people that aren't clapping are the ones that are not yet plugged into a community group. All right. And so we believe in that. It's, it's essential that we get plugged into community within church because there uh, you, can, you can find pl- a place that people will pray for you. In addition to that here at Canvas Church, we have healing groups, ministry healing groups. We have one that just started um, with uh, Kathy and Johnny and Maria, and you can find out more information about that in the back. It's a healing group. If you've been through some crisis in your life, man, we believe in the power of prayer and we believe in the power of God's word to minister to you, uh, but sometimes there's a specific approach and a specific angle um, that people need to take in order to find that healing. And so maybe you're here today and you have something in your life that you've been battling for a long time. I want to encourage you to check out 
uh, that healing group. We also have a healing group that works with those that have had abortions. My wife uh, leads a ministry group that helps people um, recover from abortions, decisions they've made in the past and how that has been on both men and women. And she leads that group and has led several people through that and they found a new level of freedom in doing that. Uh, We also have here uh, healing from sexual addiction. If you're a man or a woman, you've ever uh, uh, been involved in that and you found yourself addicted sexually, we have a Pure Desire group that meets every Tuesday night. And you can find out more information about all those in the back as well as uh, on, online. Why am I highlighting those? Because in those specific places, you can find people that you can be accountable to, but you can also find people that can pray for you, Okay. There's nothing worse than, and I've had this happen as a pastor, and I'm sure maybe you have too as a believer, uh, but someone coming back to church, and, and uh, I haven't seen him in a couple weeks, I'm like, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? Oh, man, I was sick for like three weeks, and you didn't call me. I'm sorry, I didn't know you were sick for three weeks, because nobody called me, Right? I guess, I don't know, because I'm a little bit prophetic, I guess everybody expects me to move in the gift of prophecy all the time. Or be stalking you on Facebook, I don't know, right? Um, You know, one of the two, either stalk me on Facebook and know when I need prayer or move in the prophetic. You know what? I don't know, okay? And that's why we have community groups. That's why we have healing groups because there you can share the stuff that you're going through and you can say, hey, can you pray for me, right? And then we love to pray for people. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. Being refilled through prayer. Philippians chapter four, gonna just read three verses And it starts in verse 4, where I'm going to read Philippians 4, verse 4. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. How many wish God would have left that part out? Come on, somebody. I would have been fine if it said rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. But the word always is thrown in there, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Once again, would have been great for him to leave that out. But in everything, how many things? Everything. In prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what happens when you do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't get frustrated in situations. Rejoice in everything. In every situation, rejoice. Okay? And and you read that, and then, I mean, Paul was pretty strategic, being led by the Holy Spirit. Why did Paul have to say, rejoice in the Lord always? Why? Because he knew that there would be times that we would not want to rejoice. So rejoice in the Lord always, but it's not going to be easy, so here's what you should do. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, what's it say? Pray, okay? Here's the key. If you want to find yourself joyful in every circumstance and situation, Paul then says, here's what you're going to have to do. Don't be anxious. Don't be stressed out. Stop freaking out. Just stop. Pray. And when you pray, here's what happens. The peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, will come upon you. You will be filled with peace. 
Because in order to have joy and to be rejoicing, you've got to have peace in your life. That's why the Bible says in Romans, uh, Romans uh, 17, I believe it is, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would speak to us on the power of prayer. That, Lord, we would walk out of this place understanding that if we want to be filled with your grace, if we want to be filled with your power, if we want to be filled with peace, all we have to do is stop and look to you and begin to pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I I pray that we'd be challenged this week in that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Prayer is powerful. Prayer is, 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 is absolutely phenomenal. If you've ever been a, a part of a consistent prayer life, you know the power of prayer. I've seen prayer work in my own life many times over. Uh, last week, we had my brother Mark Brinkman here who shared his testimony on a Saturday night. Powerful testimony how he was, he was, he was pretty much pronounced dead at the scene of an accident. And to see the progression from death to life, but not only life, but life abundant as God now continues to use him all around the the nation as one of the uh, leading police officers in DUI arrest. God has taken him from that accident scene where he was pronounced dead, given a 3% chance to live, took him through this, this whole process of absolute restoration and healing, and now God is using not only his testimony, but using what he does for a living to reach people for Jesus. It's amazing how God does that. But I remember the day that that call came in when he was at, at that accident, and I, I got the phone call from the sergeant. And the sergeant said, is your parents there? And I said, no, they're not. And they said, okay, how old are you? And I said, I'm 15. And they said, okay, I need you to be calm, but I'm going to tell you something that's very difficult. And he began to tell me what happened and how they were airlifting my brother to Harborview. Now, that is not something a 15-year-old or 16-year-old, even a 20-year-old really wants to hear, especially when you're a close-knit family. But I tell you this, at that moment, the reason the grace of God came on my life is because I did two things I knew how to do. One, I called my parents. Come on, somebody. Okay, listen, I know that it would be great for me to teach you this morning that when you're young, the first place you should go is Jesus, but let's be honest, okay? I have a mom and dad who raised me well, who taught me well, who, who taught me how to pray and get into the word, and I was a little bit freaked out, and the first thing I did is I got a hold of my mom who was over uh, on the other side. We lived on an island, was over on the other side of a ferry boat, got a hold of her, and then, then, this is what she told me to do, Ben, call everybody you know and tell them to start praying, exactly what I did. I started calling everybody I knew and we started praying. And because of prayer, because of prayer, because of fervent, consistent prayer, my brother came out of that momentary coma he was in, the 3% chance to live, and then we saw this rapid progression take place in his life to now, I mean, within months, he was back to full-time work. Absolute miracle. How did that happen? It happened through the power of prayer. This would be, it would probably be enough if I just had one story about the power of prayer, but, but I have so many more stories. My wife and I, we started in ministry back in 1997, and uh, man, our story has been phenomenal, how God has supernaturally provided for us. And I remember moving to San Diego for the first time in 1999, and God told us to go and serve a church and help, help raise that church up off the ground. The church is still going today in Rancho Bernardo. God spoke to us, no money in our pockets, just go, serve, I'm going to take care of the rest. And so we did that, and we set out after we'd been married for, I don't know, a year and a half or so, and we launched out, and we came. And uh, God supernaturally provided finances, and some of you know this story and how much he provided, which back then, I mean, now would be a lot, but back then was, was mind-boggling how much God provided every month for, for us to give ourselves to full-time ministry. And I remember one day that we were going to be $500 short for our rent. 
And, uh, and so it was, it was day to pay rent. We looked at our account, and we've been living, you know, as, as, as tight as we could. And, uh, man, we had a budget, but, man, it was rent day. And uh, my wife looked at me and said, Ben, rent's due today, and we need 500 more dollars. And now if my wife was here, she would bear witness to this. I don't stress out a whole lot, okay, because I've learned something. Who by worrying can add one cubit to their stature? Very clearly, I don't worry. I'm 6'6". Come on, somebody, all right? Now, I'm not saying anything about shorter people out there, but stop worrying, all right? Um, (laughs) And I don't worry a lot, and so I did what my parents taught me to do. I grabbed my my, my wife's hand, and we went and we knelt down by the couch, and we said, God, we're here doing the work that you called us to do, and we are $500 short. God, would you provide the money? And I kid you not, within five minutes of praying that prayer, the phone rang, and there was a businessman on the other line. We did not call anybody. We did not even have Facebook back then. We didn't even have MySpace. Do you remember MySpace? Okay. We had no spaces. We had nothing. Okay. I didn't, I didn't call nobody. I didn't, I didn't send out, a, a, you know, a, a, an Amber Alert, okay? I just literally grabbed my wife's hand, and we prayed. And five minutes after praying, the phone rang. I grabbed the phone. It was a businessman. He said, I don't know what's going on with you guys, but the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that I'm to give you $500. It's a true story. <clears throat> and I said, that's funny. God spoke the same thing to me. Come on, somebody, Okay. <laughs> And so, and they said, hey, I have the check waiting for you. Why don't you come over and pick it up? And so I did, and I went and paid my rent. Now, I could tell you story after story how God has worked through the power of prayer. Prayer is a very powerful thing. When my second daughter, Faith, was born, I'll never forget this moment. Uh, Cara was born, then two years later, we had Faith. And uh, Faith was to be, born, to be born cesarean. Cara was born cesarean. So here's Faith coming on the scene. And, and uh, we actually got to schedule the date. That's the only nice thing about having cesarean birth. Is you get that. When, when would you like to have your child? We scheduled it. Come on, someone, on a Monday morning. And we went in, and, and so the procedure starts taking place, and I'm there, and I remember how it was with Kara. They have a sheet coming down in front of my wife's head, and I'm here with her because I don't want to see everything that's going on down there. And, uh, and so I'm talking with her, and she's awake, and she's alert, and um, they're doing the procedure, but it's taking long. And then we hear the doctors talking, and all of a sudden, my wife gets a worried look on her face, and she looks at me, and she goes, find out what's happening. And so I said, okay. And so I asked the doc what's happening. They said, we're having a hard time uh, getting your daughter out. And so they had to do some procedures, and they, and they got her out. But when they got her out, normally they, they, they hold them over, the, over the, the sheet that's hanging there so you can see your daughter, and then they go wash her, clean her, do all the stuff they do to her. And so Faith came out, but they didn't show Faith to me and Katie. And Katie got a really, really worried look on her face and said, Pam, what's going on? And so I got up and I walked over. And here was the nurse over at the table with my daughter, with Faith. And uh, she's there. And, uh, and I hear her saying, come on, baby, breathe. Come on, baby, baby, breathe. Come on, you can do this. You got to breathe. And she's smacking my child, holding my child upside down. Come on, somebody. Pam. I wish I could do that today when they're naughty, right? And she's going, come on, baby, breathe, baby, breathe. And, and this, what seemed like an eternity was probably only seconds, but now the nurse is getting concerned, and I see, and my daughter's turning into a smurf. You know what I'm talking about. She's blue, and she's getting darker blue, and I'm like, what's happening? And all of a sudden, the nurse turns over and says, make the call to the emergency technicians. And I heard that, and I said, nuh-uh. Mm. And out loud, in front of all the doctors and the emergency technicians, I said, Faith, Deborah, you breathe right now in Jesus' name. And no sooner did I get those words out of my, my mouth, and all of a sudden Faith goes, <coughs> the nurse just looked at me. True story. Says, we don't, we don't need him anymore. Cancel it. It's the power of prayer. 
Prayer is powerful, but yet, ladies and gentlemen, it seems to be one of the, the most neglected parts of our life. Prayer is so powerful. Listen to some of these, some of these scriptures right here. First Chronicles 7.14, you can just jot it down. First Chronicles 7.14, this is the one with, that, that says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, okay, and they would begin to talk to me, they would begin to pray, they begin to cry out for me, then I would hear from heaven and I would come, and not only will I answer them, the Bible says, but I will heal their land. Now, maybe you didn't hear that one. Not only will I answer their prayer, but I will literally begin to heal their nation. I will begin to heal their land. Ladies, I don't know about you, but one thing our nation needs right now is prayer. One thing our world needs right now is prayer. We don't need a bunch of Christians gathering together talking about how bad it is. We don't need a bunch of believers getting together at the job place. Oh, man, it's so horrible out there. Did you see the news? Oh, man, it's ridiculous. Oh, can you believe the president did this and the Senate did that and all this stuff? You know what we need? We need people that will bow their knee and begin to pray for their president, begin to pray for their senators, begin to pray for their council members, begin to pray for their nation. That's really good preaching. Thank you. That's what we need. We need more people that are willing to, to pray. And if we do this, look what the Bible says. Well, that's Old Testament path. That was an Old Testament pro- promise. Listen to me. God is a God of principle. Not only that, the only thing they preached in the New Testament was the Old Testament. Come on, somebody. Pray. 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 I like this one. Acts 12, 1 through 17. Phenomenal story. Give you some New Testament, all right? If you've never read this story, this is the story where Peter is in prison. How many of you guys have heard this story before? Peter is in prison and he is on lockdown. He's not only in a jail cell, but the Bible says that he is shackled and bound in the jail cell. And if that wasn't enough, not only is he shackled and uh, bound in a jail cell, but they now have multiple guards all over to make sure he doesn't escape. And the reason he's in jail is because the very next day, they are going to pull Peter out, and they are going to make a public execution with him to say, hey, stop following the way. Don't be like this guy. So he's headed to his death sentence. He's shackled. He's bound. He's behind a jail cell, and there's literally guards everywhere making sure he can't escape. And the Bible says that while he was there, the church was praying. Peter's in jail, but the church is praying. And the Bible says, as the church prayed for Peter, an angel of the Lord showed up in the jail cell, somehow put everybody to sleep except for Peter. Read it. It's a phenomenal story. And pokes Peter in the side. Peter is so blown away by what's taking place, he actually thinks he's dreaming. And it's not until he walks, not until the the shackles fall off, the jail cell door opens, and he walks past all the guards that he realized, hold on a second, this is really happening. That's how faith-filled Peter was. He was so faith-filled, he thought he was dreaming. But here, here on the other side of it, here's the crazy part. Not only was Peter thinking he was dreaming because this couldn't happen, but when he gets to the place where people are holding a prayer meeting, He knocks on the door. Little girl comes over and says, hey, Peter, we're praying for you. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. Hey, Peter, we've been praying for you. Doesn't open the door, goes back, and everybody's like, hey, who is it? And she's like, it's Peter. And they're like, no, it's not. It's his ghost. He's already dead. Those are some really faith-filled prayers, right? Right? 
we're going to pray for Peter, but God, it's never going to happen. He's already executed. We're wasting our time. Lord, set him free. <laughs> Power of prayer. Prayer is such a powerful thing. James 5, 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person. Powerful. It avails much, the Bible says. Prayer. 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 It's powerful. It's powerful. It changes the circumstances around us. Last week we talked about how the word of God, one word changes everything. But the word of God that we talked about last week, if you were here, man, that changed David's perspective. It was an internal. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where is faith? Faith is internal. We get the word and it internally changes our perspective to where even though the situation hasn't changed, I believe I can still make it. The word fills us. We're changed internally. But listen to me. Prayer begins to change things externally. Prayer literally begins to change the circumstances and the situation that surround your life. That's why prayer is so powerful. Prayer. It's a powerful thing. There are 650 different prayers mentioned in the Bible. 650. We're going to read them all together right now. Why are you laughing? Out of those 650 prayers, there are four specific types of prayer mentioned in the Bible. Here they are, and you can do a little study on your own later. Types of prayer mentioned in the Bible, 650 prayers, four types of prayer. One, supplications. Supplications. Two, intercessions. Standing in the gap for someone else. Intercessions. Prayer. And thanksgiving, the four major groups of prayer in the Bible, supplication, intercession, prayer, and thanksgiving. So here I am, and I'm encouraging you, you, you got to pray. Prayer will fill you. Prayer will, will change the, the circumstances around you. But maybe there's a lot of you sitting out there, and you're saying, but, but Pastor, what is prayer? What is prayer? Let me give you the biblical definitions of prayer. Okay, and I, I believe these are going to be on the screen for you. First one is this, and it's found in Psalm 25, 1 as well as 14, uh, 143 verse 8. Prayer is a lifting up of our soul to God. Prayer is coming and lifting up our soul to God. Psalm 26, 8 says, number two, it's a pouring out of our heart to God. When we just, uh, how many of you guys have ever done that before? Sometimes you don't even ask for anything, but you just pour out your heart to God. This is, this is prayer. Number three here, uh, found in Psalm 86.3, a crying out to God. Crying out to God. Prayer is us crying out to him. Number four, Revelations 5.8, spiritual incense to God. Spiritual incense. Think about what incense is. You ever lit incense before and the smoke kind of fills the room, makes it smell better, hopefully, than it did? Man, our prayer fills the throne room of heaven, it's incense to God. Psalm 84, one through two, and Hebrews 4, 16, describe it as coming before the throne of grace. Coming, prayer is coming before the throne of grace so that we might obtain mercy and grace and have it in a time of need. Here's the problem, so, so, so oftentimes we wait until we're in need and then we pray. But if we would build ourselves a lifestyle of prayer, man, when we come into those circumstances and situations, man, will have it in a time of need. 
Hebrews 13, 15, prayer is a spiritual sacrifice and the fruit of our lips. James 4, 8, it's a drawing close to God in friendship, fellowship, and trust. Friendship, fellowship, and trust. If I could just boil it all down and make this real simple, uh, prayer at its very base form is just you simply having a conversation with God. You talking and conversing with God. Paul said, man, I I pray without ceasing. And and, then we should get to that point where we're in this constant communication with God. That that, that prayer is that. It's literally, it's like me being married to my wife. That, man, we are married. We are are one, the Bible says, right? The two have become one. And, And, man, even though my wife is home right now with my daughter who's sick, we're still married. Even though we're not conversing right now at this moment, we're still married. That's the point that God wants us to be at. But there are those times that I need to do a date night. Come on, anybody heard one of those before? Okay? Oh. Maybe we need to do a marriage seminar, okay? Husbands, date your wife, because if you don't, somebody else will. That was a good one right there. Date night. What is date night? Date night is set apart where, where it's just me and her. No kids. No house. Let's just get out. And no, a movie is not a date. A movie is you zoning out, Okay? And we go and we sit down in a park, a coffee shop, or a restaurant, and I gaze into her beautiful eyes, one brown, one green. It's true. She has a brown eye and a green eye. It's pretty awesome. Sometimes I'm dating my green eye wife. Sometimes I'm dating my brown eye wife. Awesome. True. Look, don't gaze into her eyes, actually. Hold on. Just, just take my word for it. I'll slap you. Okay. And I sit there. And I converse and I talk with her. And in those moments, man, we reconnect, we reunite, we get on the same page, and man, life is awesome. Not that it's not good, but man, those moments. So although Paul said pray without, we should have a lifestyle prayer, there are those times when we need to draw away and just have a conversation with God. Just talk. And yes, pour out your heart. And yes, yes, you know, yeah, you know, friendship and trust and fellowship and all those things. Prayer is spiritual dynamite. I don't know who wrote this. Found it in something my mom gave me, so I'll, I'll give her credit. But prayer is spiritual dynamite. It produces divine leverage. By prayer, my need is connected with the supernatural storehouse. Wow. There's a supernatural storehouse. All you have to do is connect with it through prayer. Prayer is the road to tranquility and strength of the soul. Prayer leaves me with self-control, poise, and calmness of mind and spirit in the most trying time. When you're walking through those difficult situations and circumstances and you just stop and you pray, it's amazing what God does. It's amazing what God does. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. My parents taught me a lifestyle of prayer. How to pray, when to pray, who to pray to, God. But I'm here to tell you something today that honestly still the most powerful person in a room is the one that's on their knees crying out to God. Something happens through prayer. And here we see it in the life of Paul in Philippians chapter 4. And here's the thing we need to understand is we read through Philippians chapter 4 and what I started off with today. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. That right there is a hard concept for most of us to swallow. Rejoice in the Lord, okay, but always, mm, mm, you, you don't, you, ah, mm, 
And here's what we need to understand. You know, if you think you got it bad, we need to remember where Paul is writing this from. Paul is right. You think, oh yeah, I mean, that's great for Paul to write. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, him and God were probably super connected and had, you know, like this cool vibe thing going on and stuff. It's easy for Paul to write. I mean, he's one of the authors. What is he supposed to say? He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to get out. He might die. And in that moment, he has the courage to write to the church in Philippi, and now you and I get to be a part of this and see this, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again. Rejoice. Oh, but Paul, you don't know how bad. I'm in prison. But you don't understand the woman. I'm in prison. But my boss is, I'm in prison. Rejoice. Dang it. Rejoice in the Lord when always. You didn't hear me the first time? Again, rejoice. Okay. Rejoice. But he doesn't stop there because he realizes that that's a hard thing to swallow. And so he says, look, I know it's going to be difficult, so here's what you got to do. Do not be anxious about anything. Some versions say don't stress about anything. Anxiety is a bummer. Stress. Don't stress about anything. Let's, let's take it back to that scripture I mentioned earlier. Matthew 6, 27. Who by worrying, some of the translations say don't worry about anything, don't stress about anything, don't be anxious for anything. So let's look at this worry. Who by worrying, Matthew 6, 27, can add anything to your life? You can't, but yet we do worry. Worry causes things like ulcers. Those aren't fun. Anxiety, stress, worry, fear, trouble. The last, last time, I, 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 honestly, I don't worry a lot. But the last time I remember worrying, and I don't remember what I was worrying about. I was probably worrying about if I was going to get worried about something. <laughs> All of a sudden what it does is it takes this little situation and it turns it into this massive mountain. That's all it does. You start worrying about something, all of a sudden you start adding, yeah, it's horrible, yeah, it's bad, oh my gosh. And we start adding to it. That's what anxiety does. And Paul says, hey, don't be anxious for it. Well, Paul, you don't know the life that I live. I'm in prison. But you didn't have to walk through it. I'm in prison. What do you have to worry about? Well, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to find somebody to marry I'm in prison. I might die. Be anxious for nothing. Why? Well, I, I just don't know if I'm going to have enough finances to make. I'm in prison. Are you catching this today? Be anxious for nothing. If anybody can say this, he can. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do then? Well, here's what you're supposed to do. In everything, everything, everything. Here's what you got to do. Pray. And it actually mentions three of the prayers. It mentions prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. 
Three out of the four. Do those. Why? Because if you do, there's a great exchange that takes place. You give me your stress, your worry. Your, what does the Bible say? Cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. He cares about me? Yeah, pray. You mean you'll hear me? Yeah, Psalm 116 says this. I love it in the New Living Translation. He bends low to hear our prayer. He bends low to hear your voice. You can sit around being anxious, being stressful. What what does anxiety cause? Here's, Here's some things that anxiety cause. Anxiety produces stress, depression, heart attack, obsessive compulsive disorder. Whoa. What are some symptoms of anxiety? Are you constantly tense, worried, on edge? Just picture yourself lying back on a couch right now. Okay, and let the Holy Spirit be your therapist right now. Are you on edge? Are you constantly tense? Worried? Does your anxiety interfere with your work, school, family, responsibilities? Are you plagued by fears? Irrational? Can't shake it? Do you believe something bad will happen? Listen to me. You don't need to answer this except for internally. It's amazing to me how you can encounter a circumstance, a situation, but you always fear the worst out of it. I'll go to church today, but they probably, you know, something bad. Yeah, I'm going to work today, but I'll probably lose my job tomorrow. And you constantly think the worst, bad. It's anxiety. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I love prayer because in prayer, ladies and gentlemen, this exchange takes place. This exchange takes place. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm in prison. Be anxious for nothing but pray. And when you pray, you're going to exchange your stress, your worry, your anxiety, and you're going to give that to me. Here's what happens. See, you can't be filled up with peace. You can't be filled up with joy because you are this container that is filled up with stress, anxiety, and worry. And God wants to pour in joy, and he wants to pour in peace, and he wants you to live a life that is abundant and overflowing, but he can't because you're so filled up with all this stuff that might happen. You're so filled up with worry and fear. And so what we have to do is we have to empty ourselves of that and say, God, here is my concern. I'm casting all my cares upon you because you care for me. And so, God, I'm giving you my fears about my future, my fears about, 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 about the job, about the relay. I'm giving it all to you. And as I do that, I'm emptying myself out of, of all that stuff. And now God can come and say, okay, great. Now I'm going to fill you with what you really need to be filled. Let me prove it to you. Here's what the Bible says. It's not going to be on the screens. You have to bring a Bible to church. Let me prove it to you. Finally, brothers, after you've rejoiced in everything, because you've prayed, because you've emptied yourself out of all the stress, all this stuff, what, here's what you ought to do. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. All in the same context as Paul is in prison writing. You cannot do anything by worrying. Give it to God and let his peace come and fill your heart. And as his peace comes and fills your heart and your mind, here's how you can keep it going. Think about these things. Don't think about the things that worry you, that stress you out, and that bother you. But set your mind on those things and the peace of God. Listen to what it says. Practice these things and the God of all peace will be with you. Isn't that what we want? 
more than just his peace coming and we want the God of peace. Man, look at what happens when we pray. When we pray, we exchange our worries, our fears, and our concerns, and our anxieties, and our stresses, and our failures, and all these things. And we give it to him. And his peace comes so that we can meditate. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? So we can meditate on all these things. And not only will his peace come, but the peace of God. God of peace will be with you. Wow. Wow. The God of peace. Anxiety is not worth it. Anxiety is not worth it. Walking around stressing God, is not worth it. What I need to do is I need to get here on my knees. And I need to say, God, I can't handle this. God, I can't get through this. God, I can't deal with this but I thank you that you're in heaven and you can. So I surrender everything to you. And in that moment, a great exchange takes place. All of my junk for all of his grace and all of his mercy. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. Do me a favor, just bow your your heads, close your eyes as we close today. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. Be anxious for nothing. How do I do that? Here's what you got to do. You got to pray. Every circumstance, every situation you find yourself in, pray. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Oh, man. Hallelujah. We get filled up through prayer. We need to pray. We need to pray often. We need to learn to pray without ceasing, but we need to take those moments where we withdraw daily, weekly, and just say, God, it's you and I. Speak to me. Talk to me. Prayer at its simplest form is having a conversation with God. Just talk with him. And if you, if you stop talking long enough, he'll speak back to you. He'll speak back to you. Hallelujah. 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 The greatest way to lead your family is through prayer. Hallelujah. The greatest way to lead a church is through prayer. That's why the Bible talks about how in the New Testament church, the apostles had to raise up other leaders so that they could give themselves continually to the word and to prayer greatest thing I can give myself as a pastor is to the word and to prayer. No, not to leadership. Leadership will follow. I got to give myself to the word and to prayer. That's the way to lead a church. That's the way to lead a family. That's the way to lead a business. Pray. 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 Pray often. Effective, fervent prayer. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous individual avails much. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, begin to turn from their wicked ways, would bow their knee and begin to pray, I'd hear from heaven. 
Ah, yeah, he wants to bend low to hear your voice. He wants to bend low to hear your prayer. Hallelujah. You exchange all of your stuff for his peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why is there peace? Because you're in Christ Jesus. Why is there joy? Because you're in Christ Jesus. Why is there fulfillment? Because you're in Christ Jesus. Why is there, why is there, why is there fulfillment for business, for marriage, for life? Because you're in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.